Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm, you say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Yes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Script Shop. Here we are. Jack here with you. Allison as well. This is our podcast where we talk to screenwriters about their scripts. And I, I need to I need to make a confession because I'm really excited Ooh, about yes, the show true this week. Confessions, Jack Romley edition. So you know, like I'm a sucker. I, I've talked before about what a sucker I am for stories about friendship. Yes. But the other thing I need to confess is the other thing that I'm a total mark for in okay. terms of like okay. stories mm-hmm. are like TV shows about TV shows or movies about movies. Yeah. Like 30 Rock adaptation ed wood newsroom mm, mm. i i'm i'm just instantly a sucker for all those things and i'm really excited for to talk to our guest this week greg fusco who wrote a script called finale right and it's 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 a it's a show about making a show about it yeah yeah there's a oh man it's a 30 page super fan meta tv pilot with hollywood personalities and current popular culture yeah it's it's fun it's great the two main characters are in a real heap of trouble for the show that they're trying to make and i'm really it's just way to talk to you about it and it's also a really good like the fictional show that they're creating within this program it's a really good show i think it's hilarious that you love this show so much that the show that we're going to talk about has made up for (laughs) this i think it's a really (laughs) like i i wanted i want to talk to greg and find out like how much temptation there was just to say okay well this is fun like to write in the story about these producers scrambling around to make this television show but maybe i just want to write this television show yeah well it's funny because at one point one of the characters says something like well we found that out in season 10 <laughs> and i'm like Whoa. yeah and then we get some fun moments where they do some flashbacks and lay out the story plots of the story and you will hear all about it in our interview to come yeah. with greg yeah we're teeing this up a lot uh but in the meantime uh some normal things that we'd like to let you know about if you have written something and you'd like to get it in front of us whether it's a show about a show or a play about a play Noises off, play about yeah, a play, love so, that show. Yeah, one of the only stage versions of that that really works, though, because yeah. people freaking love movies about movies, mm-hmm. but plays about plays rarely work. Not as they, easy. They rarely work. It's like there's not enough tongue-in-cheek because people are putting their heart and soul into the theater. Yes. It's just, it's funny how it doesn't go both ways, really. If I don't you, think so. If you've written something that goes both ways, or maybe a bunch of different directions maybe at once. Maybe it goes its own way. That's a song. That's not a copyright violation. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. You can send it to us, and you can do that by going on to scriptshopshow.com slash submit. You can also look us up online on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Script Shop Show. We're on there. We like to do little things like small videos and chit-chat, and there's lots of pictures of Olive, so you're welcome. And so you can get on Script Shop Show on any of those platforms to continue the conversation with us or our writers, who a lot of the time get tagged on posts about their work in general. So if you're looking to connect with an artist, you can do it in that way as well. Yeah, you can follow up for them. From when the show comes out that week, we'll tag them, and you can then learn about other things that they're writing about and what they're posting about. And we want to we be able to bring these people to you and put them on your radar yeah. and, and be able to enjoy other things because they've written. Because who will these people become, people? 
Yeah. They could become people. the next big writer. People, people, we need your money, which brings me to Patreon. Oh, yes. If you would like to give us your money, like you might give the little rascals your money, then you can do it by going to patreon.com. Have, you do not know this line. Is this a thing? Give you the little rascals your money. Yeah, no. So there's a line in the Little Rascals movie where Whoopi Goldberg makes an appearance. Okay. And the little rascals are like dressed up and they're panhandling the crowds and they say, people, people, we need your money. <laughs> It's iconic. Okay. It's iconic. It sounds iconic, <laughs> especially Whoopi Goldberg's tangential involvement. It's hysterical, okay, Jack. Right. I'm, not trying, I'm not trying to shoot you down. Just... <laughs> but yes, more importantly, we are on Patreon. If you do want to give us some of your hard-earned money, we would uh, greatly we'll take appreciate it. that. We'll definitely take it, put it into the show. You know, yeah. always doing our best work here. We're trying. We're trying. Uh, let's talk to Greg Fusco right now about his work that he sent us for this week's show. It's a script called Finale. Hello, Greg Fusco. Hey guys, how you doing? What's going on, Greg? Where are we where are you at? Where are we talking to you from? Uh, so I am in my apartment in Brooklyn, in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, right now. Yeah, enjoying the what's left of a beautiful Sunday. <laughs> yes, the Sunday, the setting sun. Yeah, it's a beautiful evening. So, uh, are you it makes a... for a gorgeous finale hey, of a oh. Sunday? Yeah. Ooh, there. there we go. <laughs> Excellent, Greg. Have you been in Brooklyn long? Um, yeah, I've been uh, in and out of New York for almost, I think, like 13, 14 years. I went to college here and lived in the city, left and moved to the Caribbean for about four and a half years, uh, and then yeah. I've been in Brooklyn Whoa. for about eight. Okay, I'm sorry. Why did you go to <laughs> the Caribbean? Tell yeah. us about that part in your life. Um, and part of it kind of comes back to the script, but we can get to that later. I, I, uh, I had gone to theater school. Um, sort of stopped buying into theater school my last year. It was a great school, Marymount. Um, and it was a great program. It just wasn't really the form of art and storytelling that I want to do. But I did start taking screenwriting courses and got something out of that. But when I was done with school, I didn't know what I was going to do. I wanted to write, but I didn't want to stay in New York and I couldn't really afford it. And so my buddy um, is also sort of tied to the script. One of my best friends, he moved down to St. Thomas. And he was there with his uncle who like worked in the local theater on the island. And they were going to do like a kid's summer camp, like theater games thing. Um, and he knew that I, even though I grew up in Ohio, I, I always was fascinated by the ocean, always wanted to live on an island. So he called me up and he's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, why don't you come down here? Why don't you help yeah. me run this theater <sighs> camp for a summer and, and check out St. Oh Thomas? You gotta play- That's exactly what you want someone to say oh to you. Ex- it was amazing. Greg, you hit the amazing. lottery. And like, you won the lottery yeah so i i mean i I, yeah yeah the lottery i mean for me it really was i I was a huge like just pirate fan i have this all this random pirate history all stored up in my brain i loved jimmy buffett which is a hard (laughs) thing to admit but i I still kind of like the guy (laughs) that's okay at least you admitted it yeah that's fine um yeah so it was great so he offered that up to me uh I, I moved down. I bought a one-way ticket it was like a couple days before my birthday i didn't know where saint thomas actually was but I knew I had a friend waiting for me on the other side. And Aww. I got there. It's poetic. And the theater camp immediately got shut down. Um, <laughs> there wasn't enough interest in, to pull it off. Yes. So I was sort of just stuck there with one of my best friends and living in the place I always wanted to live. And so I started doing pirate tours. And then I started doing delivery stuff. And yes. then I slowly worked myself into being a bartender. Yes. And worked at this great bar for a very long time. Did you make a lot of money as a bartender in the Caribbean? <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel like you would, through, right? Well, <laughs> I mean, hand in hand. <laughs> that's that's maybe the greatest question yeah, we've mean, ever yeah, asked I, on this show. 
Yeah, no, you do. You do. And we actually had to like put caps on tipping each other at one point because like you would have a night where you make like three, 400 bucks and you go to your friend's bar at the end of the night or the next day and you leave them like a 200% tip and then they come and leave it for you. It's almost like just kind of giving people money to hang on to for a little while mm-hmm. until they gave it back to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it was, it was interesting, but it was a lot of fun. I bet. It really shaped me as a person in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, you know, mm, I, I had a very brief amount of time, not long enough, where I lived in Hawaii for a little bit, and I sold, sun, oh, I sold sunglasses at a sunglass hut. And it was like, that's the kind of job that makes perfect sense there. I sold Absolutely. a shit ton of sunglasses. Yeah. Like thousands of dollars worth of sunglasses every single day, and it was just awesome. Yeah, that's very very cool. Good for you. Good for you for doing that. Yes. I always encourage Thank people. You. I mean, it was really funny. One of the best things was like when I was leaving. I'd actually gone back to Ohio briefly before, and I was working at like a Starbucks, and I was told these people, "I'm like, hey, I'm gonna go move to this island in the Caribbean where my buddy is and see what happens." And everybody was like, that's the dumbest idea oh, you could possibly man. do with no. your life. Yeah, well, and listen, I was like, are you sure? Greg, jealousy like, is a stinky cologne. I know, I know. Just, everyone tried to talk me out of it. And I got down there. And like two years later, when I started like posting pictures and coming back and telling people, everyone's like, well, when can I come visit you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. mm-hmm. not sure if that's going to happen. Well, what ended uh, up being the thing that took you away from the island, from the Caribbean? Uh that's that's always a big question. I get that like once a day. And I also bring up the Caribbean like once a day. <laughs> um, but I uh, I guess the best way to put it, like there was some, you know, it, it's a great place, but you do lose track of 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 time. You lose track of what's going on in the states. I, I've always been very close to my family. We have a great family. I have two brothers, an older and a younger. Of course, I'm the middle child. Um, and my parents, and there was some. You know, grandparents passing away, brother getting engaged. There was some family stuff going on. There was some weird island, you know, bad mojo going on. But really, like, the big thing for me was I got um, – I got – I was on a boat trip with some friends, and we were on this British island on this beautiful beach called White Bay. And I was standing there one day and looking out at this beach, and everybody's having a great time. And, and for some reason, all I wanted to do was go home and watch a DVD that I just bought from a bootleg guy. Mm. and at that point I was like, look, I kind of came to this realization. Like if that's the way I feel standing on this beach that people save their whole lives just to see once, then maybe it's time for me to go. The island's only so big and maybe it's time for somebody else to, to have the adventure that I had and get a little more serious with life. And so that's kind of what really drove, drove the, the nail into the coffin as far as leaving. But I go back all the time. I still, Love the island. I consider it home. And, and my friends that are still there, even after all the storms and everything they've gone through, yeah. um, they still treat me like I never left. So it's, it's great. It's really great. So what did you end up doing then? What was your exant like? What did you end up doing when you came back? Did you jump straight to Brooklyn? Did you go live with your parents for a couple of years? You know, what was the transition there? Well, so I came back to New York because my two brothers had also gone to college in New York, had also left for stretch of the time and also had come back. And they were living... Well, my little brother was on the Upper East Side. My older brother was in Queens. And I had the same friend that brought me to St. Thomas. Him and his, his now wife were living in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. And they were like, yeah, you can come stay with us for a little while until you figure out what to do. And a lot of me was like, yeah, I'll, I'll spend some time, you know, see my older brother get married, hang out for a little while. And then I'm going to move on, maybe go to New Orleans, maybe go to L.A., um, go do something different. But I, I got 
a great job. I've made some really good friends. I saw the value in spending time with my brothers. And, you know, over the years, there's been, you know, I got two nieces now that I've been watching raised since they were born. And, and it's just become <clears throat> harder and harder to find an excuse to go until something calls my name. It's, it's just become a really nice home for me. And, and yeah, so I just, I've stuck around. Now I bartend right down the street from my apartment at a place I've been working at for seven years that I was there from the day we opened it. Oh, and cool. um, it's it's really awesome. It's really great. <clears throat> so what about writing? When did writing start to p- play a part in your life? Even though, you know, you had theater in your background, you were always looking for your right medium. And then how did mm-hmm. screenwriting particularly start showing up for you? Yeah, I would imagine living in the city's got to, at the very least now, like really sort of fuel that, that fire, right? It does. It definitely does. At first, there's, I mean, there's also a lot of distractions in the city, which is the tough part of it. Like trying to carve out time every day to like work on writing is not the easiest thing in the world. Um, but I had always wanted to write, like even when I was a kid, I was writing little novels and stuff like that. In fact, I had like a little play get produced when I was in like fifth grade at this theater, downtown Columbus, Ohio. And, um, so it was always something that I was interested in. And when I took screenwriting course classes in college, I got very interested in it. And then when I was in St. Thomas, I actually started writing a pilot for a show. Um, that I really dug and my computer got stolen mm-hmm. and it kind of threw me out of whack and I just stopped working. But when I got back to New York, I kind of revisited what I, you know, wanted to do creatively and, and that definitely came right back up. And so I started kind of messing around with like some theater stuff, some film stuff, some TV stuff. And, you know, slowly but surely I started finding a voice Um that I was really behind and and I'm still discovering it, but something I really believed in. And about really about two years ago, I made a very like conscious decision to be like, look, I'm writing at a level where I'm very happy. I'm writing stuff that I think is very interesting, which was including finale at the time. And I was like, if I'm going to keep doing this, uh, I need to start getting very serious about it. So I really hunkered down. I've, I've really dedicated myself to this lifestyle in a lot of ways and started entering festivals. And that's when I started getting, some really good feedback from people that I didn't know. And that's just really fueled the fire now, you know? So I've just been going really strong ever since then. What? So, you know, has that just like really, it's, is that the beginning of the snowball effect? And what we're hoping is like the end of this is of course, if you're, if you continue snowballing, you pick up a manager, you pick up an agent um, as a Mm -hmm. screenwriter, and then you have a series picked up and produced, et cetera. Are those the things that you see in your future that you're hoping this snowball will help you get towards? Or do you already have a manager? Do you already have an agent? Are you already, you know, optioning scripts out to people? What's kind of, where are you in terms of that process? So I don't have a manager. I don't have an agent. I've, I've looked into it. I've sent some cold call emails out. I mean, it's, it's not an easy process. It's, it's from what I hear, even people I know that have them, I'm like, Hey, can you like, give me a tip? And they're like, just get lucky. <laughs> a lot of them are just kind of like, yeah, it's gotta be in the right place, right time. Um, so for now it's a lot of festival stuff. I am, Finale has actually gotten looked at by a, a fairly large production company in New York where I was got a meeting with the uh, the creative director uh, through my tax lady, um, <laughs> which was very, very interesting <laughs> and a very weird scenario. But it was a great meeting. And if anything, it was a huge learning experience for me. But they do currently have a copy of the pilot. And, you know, if they end up reading it and getting back to me, you know, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, 
but in the meantime, yeah, I'm just, I'm trying to work really hard. I have another script uh, that I'm working on with a friend that has some very serious interest from some pretty interesting people and, and so yeah, possibly some directors, possibly some, it's, it's based around like the modern circus. So there's like mm. some of the, like the modern circus world is sort of teetering and asking questions about it. So we'll see where that might go in the future. So yeah, I'm just kind of uh, playing every card I got and just sort of looking for every opportunity to just like talk about my work or mm-hmm. share my work or mm-hmm. submit my work and hoping that if I keep that positivity, that things will end up going in my direction. Just, just got to keep going strong. Right. So along those lines, we're going to get into the, a lot of the finer points of finale here in a second. But in terms of what finale sort of is, broad strokes about these guys that are producers on a television show and them trying to make the finale of the show. How and it's a very funny script. And how does this how does this fit into these other things you've written and are currently working on? You said you got a modern circus thing. Is this is finale like in line with a lot of the other things you do, or is it more like an outlier? Um, finale is definitely the thing I've done that's most like. I guess I'd say commercially friendly. Um, I usually try to take on stories that I kind of see as being like something nobody else has really tried to take on, even if it doesn't mean that it's going to be successful. If it's original enough, which is, I know, like a really scary term to use as far as like trying to be a, a successful, financially successful writer these days. Yeah. But if it's original enough, I, I that's what kind of gets my attention. Um, but finale, I, I just... My my buddy Casey, the same one from St. Thomas, which is why I was saying some of this sort of comes back to that. Uh, he actually came up with the idea a while back. He threw me this. He's like, hey, what if there was a crazy eccentric creator that had this show and everyone loved it? And then before they ended it, he died. Yeah. And I thought about it for a couple of years and I kept trying to write it, trying to start it because I knew the idea was valuable, especially in the Game of Thrones culture right. in you know, the aftermath of lost and even going as far back as like sopranos and, and the mass chaos that caused when that show ended yeah so I, I i saw i'm like this is a this is something that should be on tv this is something that could be on tv and if i don't figure out how to write this i got a feeling somebody else will mm-hmm. it's, it's sort of it, it's sort of in that ether you know of like this idea has got to be floating around out there so I, I really made a major point for myself to get this written um so definitely it's the thing I, I see in all my work that I, I think is definitely the most commercial and, and uh, you know, um, uh, sellable right now. That's, yeah. like, that's not really a great word. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean, that's, uh, but that's what you're going for, man. I get that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's what I'm going for. But I also like enjoying kind of like exploring other weirder ideas. But yeah, I'm kind of trying everything right now. You know, I'm, I'm really I'm trying to teach myself how to write a short film, which I'm terrible at. <laughs> but I'm really trying to figure that one out as well. So it's, it's a little bit kind of whatever strikes my interest, whatever keeps me, you know, writing um, is, is what I'm going with at the moment. And a lot of it's comedy with like some sort of balance of drama or yeah, maybe a little bit of sci-fi too, or mm-hmm. fantasy or whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, what we have here, of course, we've talked about a couple of times, a story about us making a story. Uh, I would say loosely based on the Game of Thrones culture yeah the, the fandom that just is obsessed with this thing that's the popular thing right now right where it opens on mm-hmm. the two producers making a massive announcement that they're ready for the season finale it's going to be a three-hour tv movie to wrap up this whole mm-hmm. show and the next day mm-hmm. the news breaks 
Well, actually, in that whole little PSA, the writer comes on and says that he's the only one who actually knows the ending. Yeah. It's super, super secret, and he's planned it since the beginning. Yeah. And then he dies. And so our two producers are now scrambling, trying to come up with an ending, and it comes out that they have no idea what's going on on the show. They haven't (laughs) watched it in years. And as this is happening, they're traipsing around New York, trying to kind of drown their sorrows. And everywhere they go, people are just obsessing about the show because it is just on fire. And they've spent, they've spent all these years, like sort of basking in the fame of their association with this program, even though they've been obviously very hands off over the last seven (laughs) or eight years. And now Mm -hmm. that they're trying to get, just collect their thoughts and get out into the world. Now they're just surrounded by nothing but the fandom of this thing, which just ratchets up the pressure all that much more on them. The show that they're working on is called The Feed. And actually, one of the things I loved about this script the most, uh, Greg, was that it, it opens with a big climactic scene from The Feed itself of these, like, two guys on a castle wall. It's raining. One of them has this big crazy sword. The other one's like this futuristic gunfighter. And there's this like the the bit of exposition dialogue between them implies this weird history. Like the younger guy is the older dude's father. And then some monster with an axe comes in. Like it's it's a bonkers way to start. And then it just takes off from there. And I, re- I really love the structure of the way that started in the beginning is what I'm trying to say in not too brief of a way. <laughs> no, thank you very much. I mean, that and that was that was the biggest thing about writing finale is as much as I love the idea, I had to get the show within the show to work and to be crazy, like really crazy, but also be like something that you could actually see people getting behind. And that was the hardest. That was why I didn't write it for a very long time. Um, after my buddy Casey gave me the idea, I just I couldn't figure out the show within the show. And. Then one day I drank a lot of coffee and I just started going with the scene towards the end where all the super fans are explaining what happens. And I, I, I came up with something and then that, that opened the door for everything else to just fall in line. Yeah, is so I'm there, glad you like it. Yeah, man. Is there was was there a temptation though? Because I mean, honestly, once so once these guys are trying to figure out what they're going to do for this finale, one of the oh. one of the ideas they come up with is, well, hey, let's call in some of the fans and maybe they can give us how they think the show should end, and maybe we can cobble together an idea from that. And so that's a it's sort of a twofold thing where they have the fans come in to say how they think the show should end, but also kind of give these guys a bit of a, a a lesson to clean up everything they've missed all these years, moon people and and all this nonsense. <laughs> And, like, it's such... The Jack show, actually loves the show. I yeah. really, really... Like, is there a he temptation to see it. just to write that show? Because I think that show itself... The show in and of itself, I think, is, is, a, is a wild idea. And sometimes, yeah, when I go back and read that last scene and just think about it, I'm just like, oh, that, that really would work. And it would be a really interesting, weird thing that you could almost... Right? I think one day, you know, one day when I've got a little bit less going on, I might sit down and just write a pilot for the feed. I definitely need to think about it a little bit more as far as all the details, but I, I got a pretty clear picture of it. I really see those characters, and somehow they make sense to me. Uh, yeah. What do you think was the first piece that fell into place when you were trying to write the feed? Other like, than the pot other, of coffee. Yeah. So you drank a pot of, two pots of coffee, you sit down, yeah. and then what did you start with? Like, what was the one that really – I just am imagining you, like, you know, writing the first sentence and then just <laughs> – Falling forward into the craziest, zaniest things you could possibly work out. Yeah, yeah, that pretty much was it. Like I, I knew I wanted to do something with, um, with uh, like past lives or alternate versions of characters because that actually. So as finale goes throughout the first season, it starts to 
have some similarities and sort of bleed into the fantasy world of the feed. And there's like certain things that happen that sort of reflect like, you know, living as somebody, but as somebody else, like living in a past life or alternate life or a paratype, which is what I call them. So I know I wanted to focus in on that. And then I came up, I, I, I came up with this word paratype, which kind of just came to my head. I'm pretty sure I never heard it before, but when I looked it up, it actually reflects pretty much what it's supposed to be on the show. And that just seemed like a weird, like, you know, symbiotic or, um, uh, synchronotic sign that like, maybe I'm onto something here. I always look for those little moments or signs or whatever. So Greg, I mean, in terms of, uh, planning out this show and maybe more than one season and different episodes and stuff, how, how far out have you mapped this story out? Uh, I, so far I've mapped it at least through season two. Wow. Um, I have some fun ideas, uh, that I'm a little bit worried about because they almost, match up now with what happened with the end of game of thrones <laughs> so much so that i'm a little bit worried that in, in the future people are going to think that i'm just ripping off game of thrones what happened with game of thrones yeah i mean i have a thing where like the the fans get so angry about what happens they want the show to get rewritten and rebooted by the oh, network and they no. decide to do that <laughs> and, oh, no. and that kind of happened <laughs> and i wrote yeah. that like months ago oh man yeah i'm a, like i'm like Either that's really good for me or that's possibly really bad for me. And I'm not really sure right now how that's yeah. going to play out. Right. I mean, I was definitely on to something. Like I said, this is this is, feels like something that exists out there somewhere. I'm just trying to be the one that tells the story before somebody else does. Is, is there a challenge in writing a series when it's centered around the idea that these guys are just trying to produce one episode of television? Like there's a clear ending point for this story that you're trying to tell. Does that make it more difficult or more easy to try to plan out what sort of stories you're going to tell between the beginning and the end? Um, it was, yeah, it definitely is a challenge. I, I won't lie. I mean, like it, I, I kind of thought about that. Maybe this, I should just let this be like a mini series and not try to, you on as a as a full series or like a continuing series but i think the characters are endearing enough and i think i have enough little twists and turns and things that come up towards the end of the first season that it really will fuel itself into a second season and the second season um without giving too much away is called premiere oh so, that's good mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so it definitely has to take on new lives and and the characters have to progress <laughs> Um, but as far as the feeds concerned and as far as some other things within the show and the season one are concerned, those are going to sort of fade out while new storylines come into play. And I, I, I'm feeling really strong, at least about season two. That's and I think so if cool. I can get that, I can probably figure out season three. Yeah, man. That's great. Okay. We should, I really want to read, uh, the scene that we're going to read here. So Mark and Brandon are these two producers on this show called The Feed, and they've just found out that the the George R.R. R. Martin-type creator of the show, who's got this brilliant ending that he's been working on and saving for years, has just died. Nobody knows how the show is supposed to end. And these guys have now spent a good portion of the beginning of the show reassuring all the suits at the network, we got this, it's, it's no fine. problem. Yeah, we have it. One of them's freaking out more than the other. The other is just outright <laughs> lying to the bosses to try to let them know, okay, we, we just need to buy some time and figure out what to do. And then they go on on this bit of a journey where they're just trying to get away from all their stress and clear their heads and try to come up with a plan. And the problem is they're running into this rabid fandom everywhere they go. Right. So, uh, listeners, if you're going to follow along, we're starting on the bottom of page 10 with Interior Club Night. 
uh, we're going to have Jack play the roles of Brandon, one of the main producers, and a DJ. So you're welcome. <laughs> uh, Greg is going to read for the cool. character of Mark, one of our producers. And then I'm going to read for Missy and also read the action headings. So stay with it. It's, it's a little more of a juggle of voices than we're norm- when we're used to having on the show. But just try- it's going to work out, I promise. <laughs> it has to work. Interior, club, night. Mark and Brandon sit at a private table that overlooks a trendy nightclub. The DJ is bumping loud music as beautiful people dance across an expansive dance floor. Did we really have to come here? I'm sorry. Did you suddenly stop hating the VIP lounge of the hottest club full of the hottest women in all of New York City? Uh, Missy? Missy, a perky, gorgeous, late 20s cocktail server, skips over to Brandon and Mark's table. Hey there, guys! You're here early! Slow day at the office? Not really. I'm kidding. I can't believe the news. M.J.'s crooked! That sucks! He was a genius, a scholar amongst men, all that crap. Can we get a bottle of Anejo and two glasses? Sure thing. I'm going to take good care of you, too. Thank you. Just like you finally took care of that bastard Baron. Excuse me? Oh, no. Especially after he killed his own dad and his entire family. Lila was like such a sweetheart. Still not sure if I liked her more as Decker's mother or Hotfoot's father. I guess maybe I liked both paratypes equally. Lila was a guy? Mark kicks Brandon. Um, yeah. We found that out like ten seasons ago. (laughs) Duh. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, what was that you wanted? Brandon and Mark stare at her. The music pauses and the DJ takes the mic. Just wanted a shout out to my boys Brandon and Mark in the VIP. What up, kids? Can't wait to see that finale, yo. This one's for you. The DJ starts playing a remixed house version of the feed theme music. The dance floor goes crazy. This track is so sick, right? Mark puts his head in his hands. End scene. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Nice nice sound effects. Guys. He downloaded that. Awesome. that. He downloaded that right before I was, this episode just so he could do that. I was really excited to download an air horn sound on my phone. <laughs> and you know, and it's valuable. Now you can use that like all the time. Yeah. It's good for any situation. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a wonderful way to punctuate a, a punchline. God, you know, my, oh, my husband has one of those on his phone and he uses it. All of the time. It's amazing. So it's yeah. It's fine. It's fine. It's okay. Yeah. It's just part of my life now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you just drown out. It just becomes bad. <laughs> so what right? was it like developing all of these different characters for this show? Kind of having a general idea of where it was going. Did you have to plot things out or did you just kind of let the inspiration take you for a ride? I, I kind of let it take me for a ride. I, I, I don't want to even begin to compare myself to him but for when i was writing this um i was watching a lot of key and peel okay so I, I sort of like an ideal casting kind of pictured mark and brandon as key and peel um so something came out of that their relationship from watching the way those guys work together how much of it for you coming to it from a writer's perspective from the creative side of things and you're writing this story about two guys that are producers on the show so maybe not necessarily the most involved on the creative end of this show that everybody in the world loves who are now thrust into this role of having to like be creative how much of it is you sort of maybe having like a commentary on you know the creative process and when money gets involved in business and that sort of thing 
Oh, wow. That's really interesting. Um, I, I guess I, I'm not sure if that was entirely something going through my head at the time, but I definitely know how I, I mean, I, I've watched shows break down. I've watched, um, you know, creative processes fall apart and, and things that you really believe in, you know, especially like books getting transferred to film and yeah. things along those lines as well, where it just doesn't always work out quite right. And you kind of, I always sort of wonder when that happens, like, who was at fault here? Like yeah. who really screwed? Was it the studio screwing it up? Was it the producers? Did, did the writer sell out? Did he just stop caring? Or did he just want to write something that, that made, you know, made him money. And I think all of those questions sort of floated around in my head a little bit while I was working on this. Um, yeah. Cause I mean, it's just a shame. Like you look at stuff like lost and, and shows like that where like, it's so good for so long. And then all of a sudden it's like, everyone stopped paying attention and everything just spirals completely out of control. And you're like, how, how did you get there when you were so ready to like give us something yeah. great? Um, so that's, that's always, that was always kind of rolling around in the back of my mind. Do you think that studios like looking to buy shows would be, this is just completely hypothetical, of course, because I don't work for a studio. Mm-hmm. And we don't work for a studio. So how do, how the hell do we know? But do you guys think that they could be more willing to like buy a fully written show, a series with a beginning, a middle and an end instead of just buying just ideas now? Because of course there's always the chance that if you just buy the idea, you're not going to have a great ending and it is going to spiral out of control and nobody will be able to control it. Whereas let's say if he wrote this whole thing and it was like a seven season show with a beginning, middle end, do you guys think that would just be seemingly safer Mm. nowadays? Hmm. I I bet you, I got a feeling there's going to be a lot more like contingencies like that put into place. Um, People buying, you know, open-ended series might, I don't know if that's going to be a thing so much anymore, especially yeah. with the way, you know, recent events have occurred. Um, I don't know. And it's also interesting because I do put it like a line of like, all these guys have bounced back. Like JJ Abrams obviously isn't doing bad for himself. Neither is, you know, Larry David with Seinfeld. Neither is uh, David Chase with Sopranos. Like they all, they all bounce back and, and it ends up being sort of a momentary bit of insanity that eventually fades away. But I do think for the studio's part that, that, you know, trying to make sure they know how a, a, a series is going to be over um, is probably going to be something that they really take into account now. I would just feel I feel like it's, you know, the kind of thing where it used to be. Uh, first of all, there's so many shows now, right? There, there, there's shows on oh, yeah. show. There's so many shows. And it used to be, I think, the idea of like back when it was just you had a couple networks on broadcast TV and maybe a couple things on cable, but not a whole lot. The idea of maybe getting a finale was kind of a luxury, like a show sort of ran its course. And if you were a working actor who happened to have a network gig, like you were just kind of happy to have the work. And the idea of trying to deliver some sort of conclusive finale was almost like an afterthought and now i think it's become such an expectation because fandom has so much more of a voice whether for good or for bad you know people could people are able to say what they think about something and connect with a bunch of other people who maybe happen to think the same thing and i I think that there's more of an expectation to get to an ending on on a more regular basis than there used to be yeah absolutely and i think that you know a lot of shows well not a lot but some are starting to figure it out where they're they're doing these these short runs where they're like we're not going to push this to an indefinite amount of seasons. We're doing four seasons of a show, and when it's over, it's over. And if you don't like it, then too bad kind of thing And because they don't want to overstay their, their welcome. I don't know if you guys 
guys have watched Good Omens on Amazon yet? Yes. Do you know about that? Yes. We know about it. We talk right, about I mean, Good I, Omens a bit, but I haven't seen it yet. Jack, have you seen it yet? I did the first four. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really taking my time it's with it. Very, very good. And you should take your time with it. I mean, and it was a great book. I love the book. And then the, uh, the show came out, and I was watching it, and I was like, I don't know if this is going to – if they're doing the whole book in one season or right. if – they're planning something else, and ultimately, I mean, this is this is really isn't giving it any way. But they do the whole book in the first season, and when you get to the end, you're like, "Wow, they did a great job with the book." But uh, are they going to keep going? Because I really like these actors in these roles. I really like these characters yeah. in these roles. But that's kind of a wrap for what we know of the story. And the, everybody's been begging Neil Gaiman to to come on and do another season he's like well we don't have a story for another season so we're not going to do another season yeah and there's no and way, i'm like that's kind of brilliant I, and i can't imagine that he would want to write anything without terry pratchett you know writing it with him and that's not going to happen yeah. so it's just like I, I i feel that's another big part of this idea of uh, you know fan giving people what they want and fandom saying yeah give us more give us more and because we're so used to everything being this industrial crank it out make as much money as we can kind of thing and now like the idea that something is maybe a little more finite is is, 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 is it, we're not used to it. No, no. And people are going to go get angry and be crazy about it for a while. But I think ultimately it, it actually serves the network and the audience much better to be like, no, we're going to do a three season arc and then we're going to move on to a new show. Yeah. Um, and I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I think that's definitely going to become a thing. Well, and it's, it's, the, and I, I'm not angry about it. I'm not either, and because there are so many shows, A, let me, let me get a sense of finality with something, and B, that's also very uh, along the lines of the British model of stuff, the idea of getting you know seven seasons of a TV show out of Great Britain other than maybe a handful of things like Doctor Who or whatever is kind of unheard of. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, you know, America sometimes takes a little while to catch up to this stuff. So. <laughs> or, you know, we're inventive creatively in some ways, and we really don't know what we're doing in other ways. Um, so when we don't, we just steal from another country and slap a, a new label on it put a new sticker <laughs> and on hope it. it works out <laughs> yeah yeah uh but yeah i mean i don't know we'll, we'll see the future of television as far as those those long-running series i, I really I, I would be surprised if we get to like a season seven of a major show as far as that's not like a sitcom or whatever you know yeah um in in the future i don't think that's gonna be a thing is there getting back to this script of yours here and the idea of expectations? And we talked a lot about what you know the expectation of fans and especially what role that's playing on this show. The other idea too that I thought was maybe something worth exploring in, in terms of the scope of this. You got these couple of producers and they've gotten the word out to the people that are out on the island that are actually filming the show. And there's there's the whole cast and there's the whole crew and the idea that you've got this whole army of people working for you counting on this work to keep them employed to keep them being able to pay their mortgage and feed their families and like the expectations that's on now these two guys who have been kind of asleep at the wheel for the last few years yeah. i think just the, mm -hmm. the the levels of tension and the layers of tension that you can plant on them i think is so through the roof oh yeah oh yeah there's there's gonna be a lot of tension and then things get worse because of the little little twerp justin bieber kid <laughs> screws things up way worse and causes a whole nother set of problems um, that just heightens the stakes of everything way beyond what they are in the first episode. And actually one of my favorite things, this is a bit of a side note, but it kind of goes along is, is the extras. Um, oh yeah. My idea, 
So we cut to them very briefly in They're this so in the funny. pilot, but I, <laughs> what I want to have happen is as the show goes on, we just every once in a while I'll go back to the extras tent who are waiting just for their little bit role in the finale. Yeah. And they're still there. No one ends up telling them that the show's on hold. <laughs> and so my plan is they start like forming factions that sort of mirror the different armies within the feed <laughs> and like start killing each other off. So by the end, there's only like one king of the extras and they're all just pretty much dead surrounding them. And like somebody comes yeah. to finally tell them that they're going to start shooting the finale and realize what they've done. That, that, that's great. That's, that's hysterical. So you said you've gotten, have you said you've gotten yeah. a little bit of interest uh, feedback on, on this script in particular? Yeah. I've, I mean, obviously the, so the, it was really interesting. The, the first, um, the first film festival I ever entered was the Nantucket film festival, which is a pretty big one. And Showtime was behind it. And I got in the top three for the finalists. Awesome. And I didn't win, but it was amazing to just shoot up there. And I know some other writers that were looking at the list of people that I beat out and they're like, wow, these are some of like the bigger writers coming up right now. Like, how did you do that? It's like, I don't know. I guess I have a good script. That's great. <laughs> uh, but since then, yeah, I mean, Houston Comedy Film Festival as a finalist, Twister Alley, which I just got to say that that festival the way Josh runs that festival and the people I met and the Woodward and the whole experience down there was, I didn't win, but they did a reading of one of my scenes and the people I met and the, and the connections, which led me to you guys. That was just an amazing experience. I, I can't say enough about how much I love those guys down there. It was great. Um, so yeah, I've been getting a lot of interest through the festival circuit and through this one production company here in New York, potentially. And, um, yeah, there's, there's, you know, every time I find a chance to talk about with someone, I'm talking about with someone. It might come down to some customer on my bar just overhearing it and wanting to buy it. I don't know. Yeah. You never know. So you're just going to have to keep putting yourself out there. And That's awesome. Play the game. Yeah. See what happens. Well, if somebody's listening to this show and they're just another, you know, another person who might just pick up the show and buy it. And they want to play the game with they you. They want to play the game. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? I think the best way is still my email. That's the thing that I definitely check the most consistently. It's uh, it's my initials. It's gpfmobile at gmail.com. Great. And all undercase. Okay. Awesome. And I'm on Facebook as Greg Fusco. Uh, there's a picture of me in a desert in Dubai, which was part of research for another script that I'm working on right now, which is – that's a whole different story. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's just one I'm working on about um, the modern clown uh, world and, and modern circus. And it ended up me going out to see my friend perform in Dubai and uh, meet a bunch of clowns and hang out oh my there God. for a little while. Oh, holy cow. Which was, you know, not the worst trip in the world. No kidding. That sounds but yeah, awesome. That's, that's picture me under Facebook, so. Going out to Dubai and hanging out with clowns is another one of the more cool sentences we've had said out loud on this show. <laughs> I love it. Well, Greg, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. I've loved talking to you about all your adventures and then kind of how things have just kind of collided. Cool, cool, yeah. oh. Oh. I hope he didn't just get shot or something. <laughs> I think I think maybe the internet just got shot. Oh. Greg, if you can hear us, we can't hear you. Hold yeah, on. something went a little weird there again. But... Are you okay? <laughs> uh, uh, this is the I, I think so. I hope so. There we go. <laughs> 
Well, anyway, Greg, we Hello? want to say thanks so much for uh, coming on the show. Thank you for sharing us your work, and uh, we want people to read it on scriptshopshow.com. Greg Fusco, thanks very much for your time. There we go. That's uh, that's Greg. There we go. Hopefully he's going to stay on the line for us to say goodbye to him like we do after we're recording. Uh-huh. But in the meantime, uh, we need to wrap, wrap the, the show, show up. up. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure see, we need to see if he needs any immediate medical attention. Okay, well, I love this episode so much. I would love to read more of it. It was super funny. I'd love to see this kind of thing on TV. Yeah, same. This is a very cool show. Finale, I, I was really, I'm like I said, I'm a total sucker for shows about shows. And yeah. This is this this is hitting the sweet spot for me really nicely. Uh, listeners, you've got to check out this script. Go to scriptshopshow.com. You can check out our interview with Greg, which you just listened to, and I hope you did it on the site. <laughs> but if not, <laughs> go to the site, and you can check out his screenplay there. It's hysterical. Yes. Thank you so much for your time, folks. And uh, until next week, That's a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West, hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley, produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening.